Have you ever noticed that when you really want to do something, you, you set your heart on doing something, distractions seem to show up? So when, you're, when you decide, you know what, I'm going to sit down and read my Bible, and you just happen to click the TV and your favorite TV shows on, and you're like, oh, a distraction. When you decide to lose weight, all food looks good. doesn't matter what it is. When you decide to start saving money, some big expense comes up. You need tires. You need school supplies. You need something. There's always some distraction when you want to set your heart to doing something. Let me illustrate. About five weeks ago, Kelly convinced me that we needed to go on a diet. <clears throat> so we started a low-carb diet. And um, just a couple days into that diet... Um, I traveled over to West Irwin um, in Tyler, and I spoke on a Wednesday night. Kelly said, now listen, on a low-carb diet, you've got to be sure and have food in your stomach. You don't ever want to be hungry. So I've been eating just little meals throughout the day. So I jump in the car, and I'm heading over to speak, and I'm like, I, I, I haven't eaten anything. So Kelly's educating me on what carbs are and educating me on what I can eat and not eat. So I stopped at the Whataburger going down, <laughs> wait... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I, that's not the punchline. I stopped at the Whataburger on, uh, right there at 323. And I, ordered, I said, look, I just, I, just want, I just want the meat patty. I don't even need the bun. I just want to eat the meat. Because on a low-carb diet, I, I can do that. So she serves me this Whataburger. I ordered a junior. She brings me the big Whataburger. And y'all... That bun was the best-looking bun I'd ever seen in my life. I'm not kidding. If you've ever eaten at that Whataburger, that's one of my favorite Whataburgers. It looked like that bun was dipped in butter and toasted, and it was just dripping. I called Kelly. I just wanted to lick the bun. You can ask her. I said, can I bring this bun home and we freeze it? So that when we're done with this diet, I can eat it then? I threw it away. Because I wanted to make every effort to encourage Kelly. She's been encouraging me. We're five weeks into this. I wanted to make every effort at losing weight. I wanted to make every effort at sticking to this diet. Now, you need to understand, making every effort when it comes to food intake, that's not been part of my repertoire for 56 years. I may toy with it a little bit. I may say, okay, I'll cut out a Chick-fil-A tea once or something. But make every effort. That's not been part of my language. But I wanted to make every effort. And you can ask Kelly. And I'll just, I'm just going to let you know, for five weeks, I've been good. And I've been exercising. And I want to encourage Kelly. And she's encouraging me. And we're eating good stuff. We're making every effort. And I tell you that because we're in a series I started a couple weeks ago called Make Every Effort. And when you want to make every effort at doing something, there's always a distraction. There's always something that right when you decide, all right, I'm going to do this, something comes up, okay, I'm not going to do this. Three days in, I get this wonderful bun at Whataburger, and I'm like, yeah, I don't need these kind of distractions. Make Every effort is what we're talking about. And so the first lesson we did was from 2 Timothy 2. Make every effort to present yourselves to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Make every effort 
be diligent at studying the Bible. So that was two, three weeks ago. How you, how you doing on making every effort? Are you opening that Bible? Are you making every effort? Are you being diligent in studying God's Word? If you're not, I'm not sure we need to go to the next lesson because we need to get that one first. Be diligent. Do your best in being a student of the Bible and in studying God's Word. Be diligent. Be serious. Do your best. So we're going to be in Hebrews 3 and 4 today. If you want to be turning there, but I, I want to drive home, make every effort. We know what make every effort looks like. I love this picture here. Every one of these young ladies is straining, making an effort, pursuing that finish line. They're doing everything they can. Even the girls that aren't going to win, they're making every effort. We know what make every effort looks like. You ask your kids to clean their room and you go in and you say, you know, you didn't put much effort into cleaning your room. You're in school and a teacher hands back an assignment and maybe has said to you, you know, you didn't put much effort into this test. Your wife cooks a meal and it's not one of the better meals and you say, that's the best meal I've ever eaten. <laughs> Honey, would you make every effort to do that more regularly? We know what make every effort looks like. It's very obvious. And we know what... Not much effort looks like. You know in your life when you don't put much effort into something, you know. You know if you decide to exercise when you don't put much effort. You know when you want to lose weight when you don't put much effort. You know when it comes to reading the Bible. You know when you don't put much effort. It's easy to spot. And make every effort is easy to spot as well. We know what that looks like. So when Paul says in 2 Timothy, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. He knows. He made every effort. He's about to die and he knows. Listen, I fought the good fight. I finished. He knows he made every effort. So we know what make every effort looks like. Here's what that means in the New Testament Greek. It's one word in the Greek. Make every effort. It's just one word in the Greek. It means to hurry. To make haste, to be bent upon, to endeavor earnestly, to be diligent, to be zealously engaged, to exert oneself, to pursue earnestly. So when the, the writers in the New Testament use this word, that's the image I want you to have. That's what I want you to understand when we look at these phrases. So here's what we're doing. I'm just finding passages in the Bible where that word's used. Make every effort. Do your best. Be eager to. So today, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start with the verse and work backwards. I thought about working up to the verse, but I wanted you to see this. We're going to be in Hebrews 4, verse 11. Therefore, let us make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. So I showed you that because I want you to see what rest. Make every effort to enter what rest. And who's he talking about? Their example of disobedience. So we have to turn back to Hebrews chapter 3, and here's what we find. We're going to find in 20 verses that word rest is going to show up. In 20 verses, that word rest is going to show up 12 times. Make every effort to enter that rest. What rest? So, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years 
They saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Now that's God talking about His people. So to illustrate, the Hebrew writer, to illustrate what make every effort looks like, he's going to go back and show us what it doesn't look like. It doesn't look like God's people who were in slavery. In Exodus chapter 1, a king came who didn't know Joseph and didn't know the Israelites, and the Israelites were getting too numerous. So we need to do something. So we wanted them, we put them in forced labor. And we, we put taskmasters over them, forced labor. Can you relate with forced labor? You're going to work tomorrow, forced labor to pay for your bills, forced labor to put food on the table, forced labor. Can you relate with forced labor? And so God's people are forced to labor, and they cried out, and they said, God, we, uh, we're tired of this. This is hard. Can you do something? Can you deliver us? So God sent Moses to rescue them from forced labor. God sent Moses to rescue them from work. That's why Moses was sent. Now, when God sent Moses, he promised the people, listen, I'm going to deliver you from forced labor, and I'm going to give you a land. And when you get to that land, the promised land, the word that's associated with the promised land is rest. So God delivered his people from forced labor so they could rest. And that sounded pretty appealing to them. And for 40 years, he was delivering them. And they decided, you know what? We'd rather be in slavery than to be free. We'd rather have forced labor than to have rest. So the Hebrew writer wants us to know, don't harden your hearts as they did. So to illustrate what make every effort looks like, they didn't make every effort. They didn't do what they needed to do. And they rebelled and their hearts were hardened. And so God said to them, you're never going to enter my rest. And if you read in your Bibles, everyone who was 20 years old and upward died in the wilderness. They never made it to the promised land. They never made it to rest. So God said, don't, don't be like them. Don't be like them. So if you ask the Israelites, as you're leaving Egypt, where are you going? To Canaan's land, I'm on my way. Well, what are you going to do there? We, we're going to rest. We're going to rest by and by. We're going to rest on that shore. We've been singing songs today about rest. And yet they harden their hearts. And so we keep reading. See to it, brothers and sisters. Here's the warning. That none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. That's not making every effort. If you make little effort, half-hearted effort, you have a sinful, unbelieving heart. But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We've come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. As has just been said today, if you hear His voice, don't harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. So it's a warning to encourage them. See to it. This is for us. This is for everybody who reads it. See to it that none of you are like those people who were disobedient. He keeps writing. He asks five questions. Five questions. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? 
And with whom was he angry for forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter. They couldn't enter the rest. You can't enter the rest if you don't believe. You can't get rest if you don't believe. And they didn't enter the promised land. They didn't get the rest because of their unbelief. Therefore, since the promise of entering His rest still stands, it's still available. It's still available to people today. We can still have rest. That rest is still available not just for heaven in the future. That rest is still available today. So since that rest still stands, let us be careful. We're in the midst of a warning. We're in the midst of a warning saying, listen, listen, listen. Don't be like them. Don't be like them. Don't be like them or you're going to end up like them. See to it. Let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. We're getting to verse 11. To make every effort to enter that rest. And he says, see to it. Pay attention. Be very careful. And then he even uses God as an illustration. Now we who have believed enter that rest just as God has said. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. On the seventh day, God rested. So in this entire passage on rest, he's going to use God as an illustration. And say, you know what? God created and he created and created. And after six days, God created rest. Oh, he wasn't done working. But he was done creating what he set out to create. He was done doing what he set out to do. And then he created rest. So in this passage, in talking about rest, he's even going to talk about what God has done. And again, he says, they're never going to enter my rest. Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience, God again set a certain day calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David... As in the passage already quoted today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. You know, as great of a leader as Moses was, he couldn't give him rest. As great as a leader as Joshua was, he couldn't give him rest. Oh, Moses could do a lot of things. And he could deliver them out of Egypt, but he couldn't give them rest. And Joshua could take them into the land and fight all these fights, but he couldn't give them rest. And we're in the middle of a passage that illustrates if you want to find rest, there's only one place to find rest, and that's in Jesus. So he keeps writing. There remains in a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from His. Let us, therefore, make every effort to enter that rest, that promised land rest, so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. That disobedience. So he's just illustrated. Okay, look, God called people and God wanted His people to rest. And they said, no, we'd rather work. We'd rather be in slavery. We'd rather be miserable. We'd rather complain. We'd rather, we'd rather, we'd rather. And God said, fine, you can die in the wilderness. If you're going to be disobedient. If you're not going to do what I've called you to do. If you're not going to be the kind of people I want you to be. If you're not going to be my, meet my expectations. Fine, just die in the wilderness. That wasn't God's doing. It's because of their unbelief. 
So see to it. Make every effort. Be diligent about. Strenuously. Exert some energy. Make every effort to enter that rest. You know that heaven is described as rest. Revelation, then I heard a voice from heaven say, right? Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they will rest from their labor. You know why heaven is so appealing to so many people? It's that one word called rest. Is that appealing to you today? Rest from work, rest from labor, rest from sickness, rest from this world, rest from trials. Just rest. I know you understand rest. You've got a job and you're out working all the time and you're on the road and you're driving and driving and driving and driving and you just can't wait to get home. I just need some rest. Ask any teacher that when May, the 1st of June rolls around, they've been putting in so many hours, so many hours, administrators, anybody associated with school, and they can't wait for the summer because I just want to rest. We understand that concept of rest. Isn't it ironic that God says, you know what, that's what heaven's going to be like. Now, I don't know what we're going to be doing in heaven, but rest is involved. So I'm in. It's appealing to me. But you know what? God doesn't just promise rest for when we die. God promises rest now. Jesus says in Matthew 11, Come unto me, all you who are weary and burdened. Jesus says, and I'll give you rest. That's not future. That's not heaven. That's right now. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your soul. I mean, if, there, if there's only one thing that appeals to you about following Jesus is rest, I'm still in. We all need rest. We all suffer from sleep deprivation. You can talk to doctor, doctors. You can do the research. You can Google. We need more sleep because we're so tired and we're weary and we're burdened and we're beat down. And I don't know if I can do this anymore. I was talking to someone this last week. He's talking about his parents sleep about 12 hours. He said, you know, I'd like to do that once. I remember when Spencer was born. Kelly and I had already been married pushing seven years. And so we were in a routine of doing whatever we wanted to do. And Spencer came along and that routine was gone. And I remember telling Kelly, do you think, honey, do you, do you think we'll ever be able to sleep like six hours straight again? We just wanted rest. And Jesus says, if you'll come to me, I'll give you rest. And the Hebrew writer says, let us make every effort to enter that rest. How do we do that? Well, based on this passage in Hebrews, we're not going to be disobedient. We're not going to harden our hearts. We're not going to reject God. We're not going to turn away. If you want to say it in a positive way. As you read in the Scriptures, we're going to do what God says. We're going to be obedient to God's Word. We're going to make every effort to study God's Word. We're going to be diligent about. We're going to hurry. We're going to make haste. We're going to endeavor assiduously. We're going to do everything we can because we want that. Not because we can earn it. Not because our efforts do that. But make every effort means, you know what, we're going to be obedient to God. 
Because make every effort to enter that rest sure sounds appealing to me. I read Hebrews 4 a lot at funerals. Because people who die have entered that rest. And that sounds appealing to me. The burdens are gone. The weariness is gone for the one who has died. For us who are still here, we're wandering through life restless. We're wandering through life restless in our jobs and restless in our journeys. We have so many songs, some, many of which we sang today, that, that we sing about heaven, about rest. There is a place of quiet rest to Canaan's land. There is a habitation We're marching to Zion. I have a mansion over the hilltop. When the roll is called up yonder, when we all get to heaven, you know why we sing those songs? Because we want to rest. Make every effort. Be diligent. Endeavor earnestly. Be zealously engaged. Listen, folks, you'll never find rest. You will never find rest. You will never find rest until you rest in the arms of Jesus. Oh, you can go through life and you can beat your head against the wall and you can go put in 80 hours a week and and you can say, you know, I got this going on, but you'll never find rest until you rest in the arms of Jesus. You can rest assured when you put your faith in Jesus. And so that's what the Hebrew writer is encouraging us to do. We need to rest and make every effort to enter that rest. I like the way Jesus says it in Luke 13 Jesus said to them, make every effort. Jesus even used this word, make every effort to enter through the narrow door because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Do you need need some rest today? I mean, is there anything about rest that is appealing to you? I'm not talking about going home and taking a nap today. That'd be good. I'm not talking about getting eight hours of sleep at night. That'd be good. I'm talking about resting in the arms of Jesus, trusting in Him, putting your confidence in Him, and be zealously engaged in making every effort to be obedient to God. So I have to tell you what Scripture says. If we're going to make every effort, being obedient means we're supposed to confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's making every effort. We're being obedient. Scripture says we need to repent of our sins. We need to change directions. The life we're living without Jesus ain't working. The life we're living with Jesus is a life of rest. And the Bible says we need to be baptized for the remission of sins. And we may not even understand what all of that means, but we're called to do that. So don't be like people who are disobedient. Don't be like people who harden their hearts. Don't be like people who say, I ain't doing none of that. If you want rest, It's real simple. It's called submit your life to Jesus and be obedient. If you need to respond to the invitation today, if you need rest today, if you need Jesus to take your burden today, would you follow Him? Would you put your faith in Him as we stand and as we sing?